The opinions and views expressed on this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about this show or other programs on KUCI, please log on to KUCI.org for the latest program schedule. You're listening to Real People of Orange County, and I'm your host, Kimberly Martin. This show is a fun and informative look inside the lives of Orange County's best and brightest. These are people who serve their community in a meaningful capacity on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Well, welcome everybody. This is Real People OC, and I am your host, Tess, hostess, Kimberly Martin, and I have my trusty uh, pal next to me, Heather McCoy. Am I a pal at this point? I don't know. Are you going to let me be? I, I think so. You know, every time I hear that, I think of Judge Schmalz from Caddyshack. Spalding, are you my buddy? Are you my pal? That kind of thing. So what's up today, Kimberly? Well, I, you know, I'm still shocked every time I make it in here. Why? I don't know. Oh, it sounds tinny. What's wrong? I don't know. I think it's the headphones. I I sound great. Yeah, you do. <laughs> well, so where have you been? What have you been up to? Um, I don't know, just slaving away at a job, and um, that's about it. And I, I, it's a customer service job, and I haven't had one of those in a while. I just need something to get my feet up off the ground from where I was. And um, I didn't realize in the time I've been away from customer service that. Um, People treat you like an indentured servant. You know, they're like, come, come, uh, ma'am. I need these things made right now. And it's just like they talk, you know, when I've been in my two weeks, I'm just going to start saying, yes, governor. You know, like just be, (laughs) yeah, just like, you know, you know, it's just like be nice to people that make, you know, $8 an hour. That's all I have to say. I mean, I, I used to make more, but a lot of people... The jobs in the recovery haven't been so hot. So. Right, right. It's a changing. It's definitely a changing workplace on a lot of levels. It's crazy. Well, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. So we'll leave it at that. But yeah, it is a changing workplace, and it's not changing for the better. So. Well. Anyway, so that's what I've been up to, but and then I'm proud, um, of, I'm proud of you for getting out there. And oh no, it's a big accomplishment because I was reading a story today where uh, the unemployment rate is about eight percent for the general public, and then. Uh, for trans people like myself, it's like 16%. So the fact that I do have a job, um, and I have been laughed at at a few interviews, so the fact that I do have a job, I don't take that lightly. I think that's very important to my development, but at the same time, it's just like I need something else. And right. So, yeah. Something more to your to your passion and yeah, to your skill yeah, level. Yeah, definitely. And the other thing, too, is the thing I'm excited about is after the show is um, I'm going to start running wire to broadcast Songfest, uh, Greek Songfest, uh, for this Friday. So that's definitely be great. your forte. Definitely. Yeah, that is definitely my forte. Well, and so. if you need a little shout-out of your own, Heather McCoy is a very talented radio <laughs> uh, engineer and does amazing things with all the things that the rest of us can't kind of wrap our minds around. So good sound editor. You're just you're well versed in a lot of areas. That, oh, thank you. Um, that uh, make you talented. Other, yeah, and, and I actually think you have great people skills. So I find it kind of funny that you don't like customer service because it's not you're that I don't more have more skill pe- than you give yourself credit. It's not that I don't have people skills. It's the fact that 
a lot of people come in raging, and then I'm just a receptacle. So I'm already oh, coming get up. get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of us are in all areas of life. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But I, I, not to this intensity as I've had recently. So that, that... Well, you're just, you're welcome to the experience of, you know, well, never mind. I'm not going to be controversial. I okay. was going to say something like, welcome to being a woman. <laughs> But oh, I yeah. Be fair. No, it is. <laughs> a well, lot of people get complained to it. You would not, not all believe. Just women. We, have, we have a cute actress who did an off Broadway play, and she's a co worker, and she's just gotten back. She's a little snooty. She doesn't <clears> talk <throat> to anybody at the store, really. Um, you should see how many guys just fall over her. It's it's just amazing. I can watch it from where I'm at. And I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> so, good, yeah. good uh, studies to be made when you're dealing with the public. Exactly. Sure. So, um, what's what's the topic today? Okay. Well, so I was going to say, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Real People OC, and I'm your host, Kimberly Martin, and I have a high schooler uh, coming up after the summer. My, my oldest is going into high school, and I have to say, it's a rather daunting experience as a parent to think about is this your, your first well it's 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 complicated but okay in a way yes um i've been through this with my older stepchildren and they were wonderful and you know very sophisticated kids they had no problem handling the transition but i have to say that you know there everybody has that one child they worry about the most and certainly <laughs> mine coming up is the one i i um Oh, yeah. I would not want to throw her into the pit of dogs, which is what I kind of think of when I think of high school. And so I, I've been, I've been searching, man, I've been searching. So I, and I'm really not the, I'm not the most qualified parent to go searching because some, some do more dil- due diligence than others. I just know which parents do more than others and I follow them. <laughs> yes. But I do know what you mean about the, the kid that you don't want to go to school, high school, because it's a little bit, in, you know, intimidation as far as you as a parent and about what the kind of shenanigans he or she will get into yeah like i have a niece that's the youngest of the three uh daughters um and she's such a hell raiser at like age nine it's just scary what she's gonna be like when she's in high school well she might be done with that by then so there's there's that option too but not likely um yeah i i you see signs from birth how they're going to be for the rest of their life and let me tell you very little changes but so with that i've been on the search and when when i when I've done, when I've gone out and done a little research, it's so much fun to find out how many options are out there for people that don't want just the norm, or what they're what take what they're given. And so I'm really excited today to have in the studio my guest, um, head of school Anthony Saba. And Anthony is um, starting a new charter school with the help of a lot of very talented people. Anthony, welcome to our studio. Thank you for coming. Thank you for the invite. It's great to be here. So your little history on you is you have been a business and math teacher for most of your career. And um, you did all this for high school age students up in Kern County. And and most your the most recent post before you came down here is, uh, well, one was Dean of Students in Bakersfield and then Principal in Lebec, which you said we would, we've would we all passed if we've gone through the grapevine. But funny, I, I have to say I don't know where Lebec is. I think yeah. I do. 
But I'm not sure. Do you? It's a real small mountain community right there in the middle of the grapevine just before you head down the hill on the other side from here. So if you blink, you'd pass, you know, you'd miss it in a heartbeat. That's right. Is that the little rest stop with the Denny's? Exactly. Yeah, there you go. The high school, Fraser Mountain High School, is right there by that rest stop. But so to properly introduce the project you're here representing today, Anthony is the head of school of the Academy. And the Academy is a brand new charter high school that is opening, um, would be the first year in September in um, Santa Ana here in California, in Orange County. It's a really exciting project. We are going to devote the entire rest of our time today to it because Anthony is going to take us on a little bit of a walk about why the Academy has come into being, what was so important about developing a school like the Academy, what's different about the Academy, and also what it's really like to start a school and the key components, because this is really like starting a business. It's amazing undertaking. Um, the amount of the amount of things that come together, Anthony's just, you know, his eyes are rolling in the back of his head. Oh, my. So uh, take us on a little walk and talk to us about the Academy. Yeah, well, it's interesting. You know, uh, it, the concept for the Academy started uh, 12 years ago, and it started with two local philanthropists, Sandy Jackson and Susan Samueli, um, with with the backing of Orangewood Children's Foundation. And uh, that's really our sponsoring agency behind the Academy, uh, Charter High School, and that's Orangewood. And anybody who's familiar with Orangewood Children's Foundation knows that they've had 30 solid years in this county helping foster youth, um, obviously students who do, or children who do not have parents for whatever reason. And Orangewood and Sandy and Susan realized that these foster students are graduating out of high school at a dismal rate. They're roughly 50% of the time graduating when the rest of the community, the students are graduating 80, 85, 90, or even higher uh, percentage of the time. And so they, they, they realized 12 years ago that something needed to be done to help foster youth. But the vision was always not to just to help foster youth in Orange County, but to help the community in general. So their idea was to build a charter high school from the ground up that would not only serve the foster youth of this county, but also serve the community youth in general. And uh, that's, you know, 12 years ago has gone by pretty fast. And we recently got a charter, the first charter ever granted by, granted by the Orange County Department of Education. We've got our plot of land and the digging has commended and uh, commenced and we've got students and teachers and we're ready to hit the ball rolling here. That's it's just remarkable. I, I can't believe that this started 12 years ago. And um, you said this is the first charter. Is this the first charter for a high school then, to be specific? Because well, there are other charters in correct. the county, right? There are 13 uh, charter schools in Orange County. We are the first and only that's chartered by the Orange County Department of Education. I the see. other 12 uh, charters are chartered inside of a district. Oh, okay. So that's that's, that's a new difference. one. Then. Yeah, it's it's a new one. We're pretty rare. It's, it's we're independent, an independent charter high school. So is that going is that going to like that? There's got to be some subtle nuances into how that how that affects your existence. Is it important to discuss that? You know, it's interesting. I don't know about important, but it's, it's it is interesting. You know, if we were a charter high school in a district, say Santa Ana Unified or Garden Grove Unified, then we would have a, a district office oversight. Since we are not in a district, we do not have that oversight. We are overseen by the County Department of Education. So does that mean that you are not obligated to serve only your district? You can service um, people in all over Orange County That's correct. We are a countywide charter. So you don't have to give preference to district students? No, there is no preference in terms of where a student lives. Okay. All right. So, I I mean, the concept is amazing. They saw this need. Um, foster kids maybe for some strange reason at risk more than others um, we can talk a little bit about that but more importantly there's a solution at, mm-hmm. that's that's coming for them 
and uh, Orangewood's involvement. Talk, let's talk a little bit about that. How important has that been to you to the startup of this school? You know, Orangewood involvement is extremely important. They have they're experts uh, in many in many facets that you need as a high school. You know, our CFO Chris Simonson knows the ins and outs of finance and budgeting. You know, we have an HR uh, department leader in Jamie Smith, and she knows you know HR policy. So, what you would typically find at a district office, we get many of those services through Orangewood that that are already there, that are already established, and know what they're doing. So, it's extremely beneficial to have the, uh, that partnership. Okay, and currently, right now, your offices are at the Orangewood location, so that's really, really important because you don't technically have a campus yet, right? That's correct. Uh, to right now, my office is at Orangewood as our um, campus is being constructed. We hope it. That it'll be done at least a temporary campus in the beginning of August, and we can move in uh, there. But until then, we are working out of their offices. Okay. And w- how did you select the location where you ended up? Great question. Well, that was done before I was brought on board. I was brought on board July 1st of last year, so I've been on board roughly 10 months now. And uh, it was about a year or two ago that um, they finally found a plot of land. You know, they'd searched for quite a long time in Orange County, specifically Santa Ana. But during their fir- initial search several years ago, prices were so high and availability so low that they couldn't find that ideal spot. And it wasn't until relatively recently that the prices started to drop again. They found a plot of land that was the old Santa Ana Hospital um, that had you know, been shut down for a while, and it was it's pretty old and deteriorated, and they decided to go ahead and buy it. The price was right, and, you know, it's, and again, here we are. And so the hospital's been demoed, and that's the, yep. the plot of land that if, you'll be building. Yep, if you were to drive by right now, you'd see signs. You'd see tractors going 100 miles an hour and digging up the dirt. And oh, my. A lot of excitement. That's That's got to be really rewarding for the staff over there that have worked so hard. Absolutely. So you call it the academy. To, I, I'm curious. What is that all about? Well, it's interesting. You know, when I was brought on board uh, July 1st, like I said, it was just called the academy. And during the interview process and after I was hired, the question was posed to me, you know, what do you want to be? Do you want to be, you know, the Academy Bulldogs, the Academy Dolphins? Uh, what do you want your colors and mascot to be? And I said, you know, that's not my decision. I purposely left it as the Academy until now because it's really a student decision. The students are going to feel ownership of this school we're creating, and they're going to feel very empowered, and we're going to let the uh, inaugural freshman class decide um, our mascot, our colors, and our logo. Um, and in terms of the, the Academy, the wording specifically, you know, we do have a naming right out there. Uh, for a significant amount of money. So if you're interested in being, uh, you know, the Martin Academy, we can definitely talk about that. Ah, very interesting. (laughs) (laughs) So let's just put that out there for anybody that uh, is interested in underwriting the school in a significant (laughs) way. Well, naming rights can go really bad, like the Florida (laughs) school that attracted the private prison company. Yes, there you go. Yeah, we'll be a little selective, (laughs) I think, but for the right amount of donations, we're willing to talk about it. Oh, that's hilarious. All right, but I'm fascinated by you you putting some of these decisions in the hands of the students. Mm -hmm. that's that's remarkable. Um, let's talk a little bit about sure. that. Sure. Well, Are you uh, laughing? I'm just laughing because when you put the decision in the hands of the students, I remember the South Park episode where they had this choose a school mascot, and the choose choices were oh, a giant douche now. or uh, uh, a crap sandwich. Yeah. So, well, hopefully, yeah. we're going to steer them away from those two uh, ideas. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, exactly. We will. We will. Uh, the staff... I promise you, we'll edit that out later. <laughs> 
the staff, <laughs> I'm teasing you, Heather. Uh, the staff and I will, will guide uh, the decision-making process. You know, we'll, they we'll are kinda, high schoolers. Let's keep that in mind. Yeah, there you yeah. go. We don't want to open up too much. No, we'll guide it. You know, we do want the students to make uh, the decision. There's however, two choices. However, yeah, we will kind of guide that. So if they do come up with anything that wouldn't be appropriate, uh, <laughs> we won't let them vote on that. So we'll, we'll kind of help them narrow it down. But that final decision will absolutely be theirs. Very exciting for mm. those students. How many students do you plan to open the school with? We will open this August, August 22nd, to 120 freshmen. So they need to be current 8th graders, 120 a year. And as those freshmen get uh, older and become sophomores, we bring on 120 new freshmen, so on and so forth, until we are school-wide 480. Um, and uniquely, 80 of those students will be foster students who actually live uh, on campus in residentials, much like uh, UC Irvine has a dorm uh, situation. We'll have an on, on-campus living as well for 80 of those foster youth. That is amazing. Does that mean that those foster youth are will have have graduated on from the families that have fostered them? How does that work? Yeah, it's interesting. Actually, that there will be uh, floor parents on each floor, so it isn't just uh, you know high school foster students uh, living in pure, just like a dorm, but it will be for students, foster students in the system, who social worker determines that you know what these are good kids looking for a good education who may not have that stable learning environment. You know, the number one reason foster students don't graduate at the rate of other students is because they flip from home to home to home. I've talked to foster youth who've flipped uh, 12 different homes, 12 different high schools um, in a four-year span, and that's why they're not graduating. So really, any foster youth who can benefit from that stability, having that one place to live during those four years to get that good education that they really want. These are good kids looking for a good education and some stability. And um, and that's certainly that's certainly very unique to the academy. Absolutely. Um, that probably being the most significant motivator behind um, Orangewood's involvement than yeah, that they want to exactly see that come right. to fruition. How long do you think it'll take to put that component in place? You know, unfortunately, we're a few years uh, down the road from that. We need to raise the fund for the residential. We need to iron up some iron out, excuse me, some things up in Sacramento in terms of the placement um, opportunities. So I, you know, my best guess is we're two to four years out from having that residential component. Um, you know, and even when we do, again, it'll be a small portion of our school. The majority of our school will be open to the community at large, but part of the uniqueness and part of the thing we're proud of is that foster component coming hopefully sooner rather than later. Wonderful. Now, um, as you see the student body shaping up, are you finding kids coming from all over the county? How is that, how is that shaping up? Yeah, it's interesting. Are they all local? or? Yeah, you know, it, it's very interesting. As a charter school, we legally we have to be open to everybody. Um, you know, but by and large, the majority of our students are coming from the area of the school. You know, when you build a charter school, there's no transportation. That's kind of one of the drawbacks is there's right. no public transportation. So, you know, just stating that lends itself to the fact that mo- the majority of our families are coming from relatively close around the school. But we do have a good number of students um, that are driving from much further away than that and all around Orange County. Some is will- willing to drive as far as 30 to 40 minutes away for a for that good, unique education. And, and all charter schools um, do have a, you know some degree of that. Okay, so you keep pointing out that the education is unique. Let's talk a little bit about what's the norm and how the academy is going to be different. Sure. Well, I tell you what, you've only got an hour or so here, and I could spend nine hours, so cut me off whenever you want to. But there are a whole lot of unique factors that, um, in the academy. And first and foremost, one thing that uh, we like to talk about is just our small size and our small class size. You know, only only opening to 120 freshmen, that's significantly smaller than, you know, other schools in the area and other schools in California. I've worked at high schools, and there are high schools in our area of 3,000 to 4,000 students. Wow. You know, we only opened to 120, 480 at full capacity. So just first and foremost, walking around our campus, you get that small family feel. 
I told you I was the principal of a high school in Lebec last year, and there was only 350 students. Every student knew each other by name, and I knew every student by name. So, so really that small school size and small class size. 120 students we start with. I've already hired six classroom teachers for that. So just using simple math, that tells you we're at a 20 to 1 ratio for our class size, and you won't find that anywhere um, or very few places that have that small of a class size. So really that's one of the most unique things about us. Okay. And one of the other intriguing things that certainly piqued my interest was that you you put it out there that at the academy they will be focusing on project-based learning. Right. Let's touch on that a little sure. bit. Sure. So project-based learning, you know, as a charter school, we are a public high school. We are a public charter high school, and we're public like other schools in the area, and we are assessed on the same standards um, that the state of California says we must teach and what the Come and Common Core, actually the nation, says we must teach. But how we teach these standards um, that students need to know will be very different, and that will be through project-based learning. And essentially project-based learning kind of takes that old traditional 45-minute lecture, open your textbook, you know, to page 23 and follow along for 45 minutes. It kind of blows that out of the water. And instead of listening to long uh, lectures that many students struggle focusing for, that I would struggle focusing on, um, students are put into groups of four, and they're asked a real-life driving question um, that really lends itself to teaching these students the same thing. So one example I always like to give, because examples can sometimes speak better than just uh, words, is is that in geometry next year, if you were to come to an academy geometry course and a teacher was talking about angles and what angles are and what 90-degree angles are and 45-degree angles are, instead of a 45-minute lecture on angles where students feverishly take notes to memorize it for a test, our teacher would actually ask that real-world driving question to teach them about angles. And, and in this example, a teacher could say, okay, teams in, in groups of four, you know, right now at Disneyland they fly Tinkerbell from the top of the Matterhorn back behind the princess castle during the fireworks show. It's a pretty neat effect for those of you who've seen it. So your driving question to the groups of four would be, what angle would you fly Tinkerbell off the Matterhorn? Right? So you'd say, okay, class, would you fly her at a 90-degree angle straight off the Matterhorn? And the answer is no. She gets no momentum there. She'll just dangle. Okay? Do you fly her at a 5-degree angle straight down? And, of course, the answer is no because she, uh, yeah, she falls <laughs> to a bloody death. And the kids start laughing. But pretty soon that light bulb goes on. There's a reason they're learning this. Right? It's not just for a test. We need to make this applicable, not just teach our kids what they need to know but why they need to know it. So in their groups of four, they investigate what angle they'd fly Tinkerbell off the Matterhorn. And, you know, you do this in all subjects. So in math, they're learning about the angle to fly her off. In science, they're learning about weather patterns because if it rains or if it's too windy in Anaheim, they cancel the attraction. They don't fly her off. In history, you have them research the historic effects of amusement park tragedies and what that does to ticket sales. Very interesting to students. In English, they're working on grammar and literacy and pre presentation skills because at the end of every project, they must present their findings to their parents, to the community at large, and to business owners, and to even Disneyland officials. In art, they're actually drawing the project. So at the end of one, just one project, what have we done? We've taught them geometric angles. We've taught them weather patterns. We've taught them research techniques. We've taught them grammar and literacy. We've taught them art standards, all things the state of California says we must teach them and all things they learn in any high school. But the way that we teach them through these real-world projects is very, very different. It's very, kids love to learn this way. Teachers love to teach this way. Uh, and it's called project-based learning. It's something that we're very proud of and we subscribe to. It's it's fascinating. I, I'm I'm hooked. I want to know though. A couple questions come to my mind. Sure. Are, are there textbooks even mm -hmm. ready for this type of a curriculum, mm -hmm. or are you well ahead of the textbook industry? Well, there. You know, we won't have the, as many traditional textbooks as you would find elsewhere. One thing I will jump to now is you know we're a one-to-one -one laptop school. And I should say before I talk about this is we're absolutely free. You know, as a public school, a common misconception about charter 
charter schools is that there's money involved. There isn't. Private schools charge tuition. Charter schools do not. So we're a free public school, high school, but we are a one-to-one laptop program. So every student at the academy will be given a laptop for their four-year duration. And laptops these days can sometimes do, yeah, they're very powerful. And sometimes they can, although never totally replace textbook, they can be a great supplement. So really through these projects and through their laptops, they can start to investigate and learn about these concepts on their own. And I would argue that, you know, what can you not find on the Internet now that you can find in a textbook so long as you go to the right websites and you're trained in digital literacy and, and know how to use the Internet effectively? So, well, what do you think, Heather? I think I would have loved to have gone to a school that didn't make me read out of a textbook before I had to learn. I, I, it just was, it closed my mind faster than it opened it. Oh, I didn't mind textbooks, honestly. You liked them? No, it was fine. Well, what would you do with I w- that? What I would change differently is in my public high school, we watched way too many movies. <laughs> That was that oh, was a now, big see, thing. I love that part. <laughs> <laughs> Watch too many South Park episodes in high school. Eh? Well, not South Park episodes. That would get the teacher in trouble. We we'd watch like uh, you know PG thirteen stuff. Are you young enough to have watched South Park in high school? Because if you are, uh, you're really only by so one year. Oh yeah, wow, I'm it, impressed. But, yeah. So anyway, so yeah, that, that was the biggest learning challenge for me was just the the fact that the it was just like. I, in English, for example, we read The Great Gatsby, but mm-hmm. like I, I still don't know proper pr- pronoun- like not pronunciation, but punctuation. Sure. So I'm like, do I put a semicolon there? And I'll sure. look at it, look at it. So that's one of the things that's a practical thing that you need to know later on in life. But Absolutely. it doesn't seem like high school does a very good job with that. Absolutely. And, you know, with the, with the coming common core standards, and that's what we're assessed on. And you're right. English literacy specifically is very important for our students to know. They should know things like semicolons and colons and comma splices and which form of two is it? T O T O O T W O. That one's yeah. an easy one, but okay. the the commas and the the that stuff <laughs> sure. is always like, where do I put that? Sentence structure is a big right. thing with me. So yeah, absolutely, yeah. So that's one of the th- ways. And then uh, math was never taught to me very well. Mm. And I know it's cliche. Yes, I'm a girl, and I didn't do well in math. But it was just something that I never can grasp my head around. Right. And our science teachers, they were a little bit out to lunch, honestly. Like I don't think I learned any science at all when I was that. Um, when I was in high school. So. Interesting. Well, going back to math for a second, if your teachers would have taught you why that math was important well, and used these real-world examples that, that you would do uh-huh. as an adult, would you maybe have been inspired to learn in a different way as opposed to just memorizing? Well, no, I was inspired because I wanted to get good grades and I wanted That's to understand good. this. But, again, yeah, like we were saying, the practicality of it, like when right. you do math to the power of 10 or instead right. of – I'm sorry – when you work in math and you do base seven or something sure. like that, it's just like, okay, now why am I doing this exactly? So, exactly. Yeah. That, yeah, and really teaching an them why they need to know it, not just what they need to know. And I would argue that if you can't find a real-world applicable, applicable exa- example of something, then why are we teaching it? That's a really interesting point. <laughs> do you guys sit over there and debate these things as you're drawing up this curriculum? Yeah. How's that? What are those? Because I'm fascinated about how you're going to take that one topic and weave it into every subject. Sure. Who's doing that? Is this sure. is this part of the cognoscentive education today where these ideas yeah. are coming together? Right. Well, luckily, project-based learning is really kind of sweeping many schools in this nation. And, you know, we're not alone in this. We're not. This is not my creation. This is not our creation. Project-based learning can be found at many high schools um, all over the country. Um, and luckily, we're in a, a network of schools, of uh, project-based learning schools, to, to share these projects. So our teachers will be able to hit the ground running um, in this other, these other networks of project-based learning schools to where they have these tried-and-true, tested projects already available to, to them day one. Um, so if you're a math teacher, you're in a network with 150 other math teachers 
who do this for a living as well. So you've got that built-in collaboration, that built-in library of projects. There. Are these individual projects? Because when I over here a group project, I knew that's me doing all the work while everybody right. else likes all. Question. But see, but just and it's great. It's an absolute great question, and it's just like real life, right? Most jobs or many jobs today, you have to work in groups, and sometimes you have that group member who does pull their own weight. But luckily, when if you set the norm structure the right way, if you set up the school culture in the right way and the roles and responsibilities, then no, it, it, that shouldn't happen. And when it does, through this form of project-based learning, students can actually be, quote-unquote, fired from their groups, and therefore they will be an individual project. So when students see learning this way, they like to learn this way, they prefer this way over a textbook, they really are engaged to, in, in this process. They really do buy in. For those few that don't, uh, there are repercussions. Interesting. Yeah. Well, we won't worry about that because everybody that goes to the academy is going to do a great That's job, right? right? Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Absolutely. Well, so let's go talk about the teachers a little bit. Yeah. A uh, couple interesting things on that. There's a unique collaboration that you have going with uh, UCI and our very own uh, dean of school, the School of Education, Deborah Vandell. Can you talk a little bit yeah. about that collaboration with your faculty? Absolutely. Something we're very excited about. Uh, Deborah Vandell, who is the dean of the School of Ed- Education here at UC Irvine, she is on our academy board of trustees. And as such, she has been gracious enough to put me in contact with an expert faculty member in each core area to team up with my teacher in, in terms of collaboration and using best practice. So, for instance, uh, Valerie Henry, who is a math expert faculty member at UCI, has been paired up with our math teacher at the academy, who is Carolyn Ruff. And they've been meeting weekly now and, and talking in person and via email about um, curriculum, about the best teaching practices, about how to teach math. And, you know, we have a lot to learn from um, our higher ed because it's our job, in my opinion, as a high school to make sure our students are prepared for college. And who better to make sure um, we're preparing them than, than, student, than uh, faculty in college? So I've got the example of, of, of math, you know, through English and, and science and, and all the core subjects. Is there one core subject that's going to drive this whole thing at the academy? Because you mentioned the example of angles, and that was math really dictating. Sure. Is there one that sort of drives it? No, you know, the, you know, we are a STEAM school, and for those who don't know, STEAM is STEM. Everybody's familiar with STEM, I think, you know, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. When you put that A in there to make it STEAM, you also have a concentration on the arts. So as the STEAM or STEM school... Um, we do tout ourselves as a school of engineering and design. You know, I think everybody in Orange County is familiar with OSHA, the High School of the Arts. They're a school uh-huh, of the arts. Right. Great high school, but they're a school of the arts. Right. We're a school of engineering or design, two different pathways. So that kind of defines who we are, although by no means do all students coming to the academy need to want to be engineers or designers. Our goal is just to expose them to something different. So we're not maybe as quite as hardcore as a school like OSHA is. Our goal is really just to expose them to something different that they wouldn't normally have exposure to as opposed to pigeonholing them into being future engineers or designers. So to answer your question, I wouldn't say that any one subject is more important than the others. They all play an integral role in the overall academic success of our students. So when you sit down to develop the projects, is mm-hmm. there is does everybody take a lead right. at, at any different time of the year? Great great question. So what, what we'll do as a staff is, is we'll go down and, and, and we'll do as many projects as we can Um, through multiple subjects. So, for instance, year one, our English teacher will actually be team teaching with our engineering teacher. And you may say, well, what does that look like, engineering and and English? Well, if you think about it, it makes a whole lot of sense, and I'll give you a perfect example. Um, You know, a book I remember reading in high school, and many of us probably will, is The Odyssey, right, with the whole story of Odysseus. I love the whole Greek mythology. And, And so in English and in engineering, you may be reading The Odyssey and doing the English 
uh, curriculum associated with that. But at the same time, in engineering, you're actually building a miniature boat that Odysseus might have traveled on through the ocean. So there so are many ways. So they immediate, tangible exa- way to participate exactly. in and that And it really story. engages these kids in the learning process because some students may not give a hill of beans over about a, a literature book or may be very bored. You get that hands-on um, nature that, that comes with project-based learning. You have them build something they're reading about. It's engaging. It, it, kids love to learn this way. It kind of brings the learning to life more than just following along and popcorn reading, right, where you read a paragraph and I read a paragraph and we just progress through the book. You right. know, it kind of brings it to life in a, in a very unique way, and you can do that for a lot of projects in engineering and English. So they will cover that topic for the whole year, you said? They work right. the first year together on yeah, that? Yeah, they do. And so they'll meet twice as often as other classes. So whereas... Um, traditionally, you would have gone to a period of English and then a period of engineering every day. Here, you'll go through a double period of both. So it's the same amount of time you would have gotten in English or engineering. They're just doing it together because there's some real powerful projects you can do um, in tandem with each other. And it's kind of like, you know, I think of a therapy appointment where you get cut off right when you're getting to the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that 50-minute hour really doesn't do it, right. the trick. But so it, the same goes as they're really getting their juices flowing right about mm-hmm. the time the period bell ends and they've right. got to go and they get cut off. So in this case, they'll sit there right. and really, you know, hash over a wonderful topic and really take some time to Right. They get twice as long it. to dive deeper in it and to bring in this hands-on experience while they're learning these English concepts as English curriculum. It's very powerful. That is really powerful. Do you have another example that you can give us? Uh, sure. I can give you a whole bunch of examples. So I, I talked about the one in uh, engineering and English specifically or just uh, no, just general. like another, another con- like an example of where you have the two teachers from what I would have thought before diametrically opposed subjects sure. that are actually working together. Sure, okay. So in, in English, and in, in, in now remember, it's engineering and design, not just engineering. So there's the design component, so I'll take that as well. Okay. And design could be anything from graphic design to jewelry design to, um, you know, art design to anything around those lines. So let's stay with English then, and, and we'll go, um, let's take the Scarlet Letters, another good a good novel that's often read. And in the Scarlet Letter, that you know, back when that book was written, there are a certain way that, that the civilized people dressed. And so you could create um, the fashion design behind that. Maybe they create a miniature version of the dress, or they graphically design the Scarlet A and what that might look like that, that, that she had to wear you know, on her outfits. Interesting. So, again, yeah. all ways just to bring that hands-on engineering design component into the English classroom to really liven it up for oh, students I love it. who may otherwise find English uh, not as exciting. Not that English oh, isn't exciting. Oh, a couple b- bunch of students dressed as Hester Prynne would be kind of cool, there you wouldn't go. it? There you go. <laughs> I guess, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I love it. I love it. Not I my favorite book, but okay. <clears throat> yeah, well, there's more. You know, what's the book uh, that's so popular? They made a new movie with the kids um, combating with each other. The Hunger Games, right? Yeah. So think of the Hunger Games and all the different things you can create through engineering and, and the machinery used in that. Mm-hmm. So, again, I hate to say that we would have the kids develop many weapons because you don't want to bring weapons <laughs> in the classroom. But, uh, you know, what, whatever the ideas may be, you can take the, the books that kids really like, or whether it's Harry Potter, although I don't know you'd read that in high school. But uh, The Hunger Games is a perfect example and bring in engineering or design right, um, into right. that as well. Fascinating. Okay, w- one of the things that I learned about the school, the academy, uh, is the after-school program. Mm-hmm. And really quickly, I just want to pause. If you're just tuning in, this is Real People OC, and I'm your host, Kimberly Martin. I have with me in the studio my um, ever-trusty friend, Heather McCoy, who's engineering for me and keeping me on task. But Anthony Sabo with the Academy. The Academy is a new charter high school 
that is going to begin in year this September in the year 2013 in Santa Ana. A very unique school, and we're hearing a lot about it today. So thank you again, Anthony. You're very for being welcome. Here. Thank you for having me. So the after-school program is another unique touch that the school is offering. Mm. Absolutely. Tell me about it. Sure. Well, our after-school program will run after school every single day, maybe Monday through Thursday. We haven't solidified that just yet, but Monday through Thursday or Monday through Friday. And it'll go until 5 o'clock every day. You know, studies show that students who are involved outside of the classroom do better inside of the classroom. And I would challenge someone to uh, to tell me that there are a whole lot of engaging activities that a child can do between the hours of 3 and 5 if we just let them loose in the community every day. Not a whole lot of enrichment out there uh, for these kids sometimes, but not very often. So we make our after-school program mandatory with some exceptions, and I'll explain that in a second. But we're going to have a lot of offerings in our after-school program, whether it's tutoring for students who are struggling or sports um, and activities for students who want to play a sport, or clubs, you know, whether it's yearbook or drama or dance or things, things of that nature that you find at a traditional high school. Um, we'll offer to them after school. And when I say it's mandatory with some exceptions, you know, we do have some students, I can think of uh, two who play travel baseball uh, in the spring, and they have practice Tuesdays and Thursdays, you know, from three to, three to five hour, and that's fine. You know, we're not trying to create a mini prison at the academy after school. We're trying to give students the opportunity to be enriched in new and exciting ways that they wouldn't typically have access to. And yet there's funding for that extra time, which is remarkable, because right. a lot of these kids go home and the funding isn't there at home. They don't have that option to go and right. take the dance or the... True. <coughs> Absolutely. And again, this is where studies show that students can engage in the, in the regular day after school. And, and this is the fun time. You know, this isn't more math, English, science, unless students need the tutoring. This is the part that they really look forward to, not that... I'm just crediting the, the academic school day, but, you know, we were all kids once, and I remember playing baseball and basketball, and that's what really drove me to do well academically. Well said. Um, yeah, well said. That's so true. You've got to, you've got to, they say, you've got to deal with the whole child. Right. <laughs> and so this is a, is a great way of making that available to the students that maybe, maybe look to the end of the day for their highlight rather than during their day. Exactly. <clears throat> Um, at, at some point, do you think, like, we we've, we hear that teenagers have a tough time getting out of bed. Is there any, <laughs> is, is there any thought to the science behind why, um, why we should let them sleep in and start the school day later? You know, I don't know if that's driven by, uh, if that's driven by students or educators, because I like to sleep in myself. My wife can attest to that. But, you know, I do think that there's value, <clears throat> excuse me, in starting a little bit later than traditionally. Um, you know, we're working on our bell schedule right now. We're still several months out from opening. I anticipate either starting school at 8 or 8.30, which is a little bit later than traditional, some many traditional schools. And I do think there's value in that. You know, I know, speaking to myself, until I have that first or second Coke Zero, I'm not fully awake in the morning either. So I do think that there's value in starting later, and that's absolutely in our plans and okay. our blueprint. We just haven't solidified that best bell schedule as of yet. But remember, So we couldn't later, talk you into 9 or 9.30? Yeah. Well, again, the, the <laughs> I guess later, when I was thinking later, I was like, early is 8. Yeah. Well, 9 or 9.30 would be nice, but again, the later you start now, the later you're having to end. And if we want that after-school program, you know, we don't want to send our students home at 6 o'clock at night Right, right. Either, oh, well, I, so. don't know. I don't know that. I'd be opposed to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We started at 8 at Westminster High. Did yeah. you? Yeah. So I would say no earlier than 8, no later than probably 9 for at least this first year. But the great thing about us, you know, being a charter school and being independent is we can change that, um, you know, on a year-to-year basis. So That is so unique. I, yeah. that's, I, that's one feature I love about the charter schools. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting. Um, okay. So I'm, I'm looking, working down my list here because I've got a lot of questions for All you. Right. Um, let's. We haven't talked a little about the facility that okay. you're that you're crafting over there. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about that. 
Yeah, it's a beautiful campus. So if you go to our website, um, org, you'll see pictures of our beautiful facility that's um, in, in the plans. It's I have no shame in telling you it's a $40 million campus. Wow. Absolutely gorgeous, state-of-the-art technology, state-of-the-art facility. If you were to see, you've got a beautiful three-story classroom building with a beautiful glass uh, stairwell. Um, and, but that's all in the works, and I wish I could sit here and tell you that that was going to be ready for year one, but it isn't. Um, okay. And we'll build it in stages as Orangewood and as some others as we raise the funds for it. But when it's built that, we'll have that three-story classroom building. We'll have a beautiful student union with a cafeteria, a black box theater, and nice. an administrative building. Yeah, we'll have um, the three residences for the foster youth, which I talked about in the beginning of the show. We'll have a future phase gym, and we'll have a future phase science laboratory building. So an absolutely gorgeous, beautiful, comprehensive campus um, that will hopefully take you know five or so years to complete, um, and we will build that in phases as we raise the money. So as we have the money for the classroom building, we'll build it, and so on and so forth. And I, one common question I get is when will that be, and I can't <coughs> wish I could sit here and tell you, but it's as we raise the money. That's right. Okay, so that's a big component here. Let's talk a little bit about fundraising. Is there any compelling reasons why... Uh, people would want to get involved in this endeavor. Yeah, we have a lot of a lot of. We've already raised upwards of fifteen, sixteen million dollars here for this project, and um, these ph- great philanthropists in Orange County are, are donating this money for different reasons. Some of these philanthropists love the fact that we are going to serve that foster youth, that real needy uh, part of our community. Once so, they, they're don- donating towards that residential component. Others, um, we got just got a million-dollar gift a month or two ago around technology because they know we're a one-to-one laptop school, and they know that technology really drives a lot of what we do, and we embrace it, and they embrace it, and so they're willing to give the money for that reason. And, and again, um, you know, people are donating re- uh, money, big sums of money for all kinds of reasons, but we're about that $15 million mark in about 12 months, so we're, we're doing great. Orangewood Children's Foundation is phenomenal at raising money, and there are a lot of good people. Um, supporting charter schools, supporting foster youth, and just supporting education in general. Wonderful. With uh, one-to-one laptops, do you teach programming as well, or just um, do you, do they just look stuff up on it and write papers on them? No, it's a great question. I absolutely want to teach programming. You know, at <clears throat> the beginning of the show, we talked about student empowerment and students choosing the logos and mascot. We're also going to let students choose the electives and the after-school offerings we're going to give them. So I absolutely hope that programming is one of those. Um, but if I've only got two students interested in it, I can't really very much offer that course. So I'm hoping we've got at least 10 to 15 students wanting programming because I know it sounds boring to some students, but I really do think it opens up doors, and it's really more exciting than they than they give it credit for. So I, I hope to offer that as one of our electives or after-school offerings. Let's offerings. teach them all how to make and create their own app. And that mobile app, <laughs> I'll tell you what, mobile app design, you know, it, it, there's a huge job market out there for students or for people who can make those mobile apps. and. It's hard to, where do you learn that? And, you know, there aren't yeah. many high schools that teach that. So, again, if we've got 10 to 15 students wanting to learn, then we're going to teach it to them. And databasing, too. Yeah, to be, I mean, web design, you can go on and on, but yeah. absolutely. Very, very cool. Um, but if we were to say, okay, Orange County, we, we need you, what would be some of the biggest reasons why local businesses and philanthropists that aren't involved yet to want to come out and support the academy. How, how's this school going to give back to the community of Orange County? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, we haven't talked much about this, but we're really college and career focused. And in, in the col- and in terms of the career focus, you know, we're all about work-based learning. We're we're going to send some of our students out to the community to job shadow different industries, um, and then have career fairs, assign them career mentors, all all in the goal of having uh, these students do what I've made a graduation requirement. And that is a six-week internship between their junior and their senior year. 
Um, and really, that's the way we're going to start to give back. You know, we're going to produce 120 students a year who are going to be solid citizens of this great county, not only financially and, and solid careers and being career leaders, but to give back to a community that will hopefully be giving uh, much to them in terms of an education and, and really teaching these students that um, things like community service are really quite important. I don't think many of our students are graduating high school today with that sense of community service and finding ways that they can give back to those less fortunate. And that's something we definitely want to instill in our students to give back to our community. So will service projects be a big part of their curriculum? Or is it just going to be focused on the six-week internship? No. You know, right now the graduation requirement is a six-week internship. I don't know that the service project will be a requirement, but it will be um, part of their senior year. Whether it's a graduation requirement or not remains to be seen, but it's definitely something we're going to push. Just something that I, str- I believe strongly in. Now, back to that work-based learning. You have a little bit of a stair step for each year, right. how they achieve that right. milestone mm-hmm. of work-based learning. Let's mm-hmm. talk about how sure. that looks in the first year. So I've created a career advisory board made up of eight right now industry professionals from different facets of Orange County, whether it's engineering, design, or, or elsewise. And um, they are going to provide our freshman students the first year with multiple job shadowing opportunities. So let's say you're a freshman being enrolled um, in the academy and your interest is, I'll make this up, is that you want to be an actress. Okay. So we may job shadow you at some local theaters um, so you can really learn the life of an actress because I assure you that an actress is more than just what we see on the on the movie screen right, or on the TV shows. They need to learn the, the, the back drop behind what they do um, and their day-to-day life. And then they may find out, you know what, maybe this isn't for me. Getting up for makeup at 4 o'clock in the morning is not my cup of tea. And let's say Heather may have an interest in being a, you know, owning an art studio one day. And that may be way off, Heather. I apologize. <laughs> no, but, or, it's not that far off. Okay, well, good. I'm, I'm in the ballpark then. So we would we would take her to an art studio, and she would find we actually have someone on our board who owns an art studio who she could job shadow and learn that there's more to it than just hanging beautiful pieces of art and maybe trying to sell or, or talk about them. There's you know there's a whole lot of work that goes behind the scenes. So really teaching our kids about careers they may have an interest in, but also exposing them to careers they may have no interest in. Maybe Heather would have no uh, interest, she thinks, in being a police officer. I have no idea. No. Maybe not. But as a high school student, how do you really know until you learn about it, right? Yeah, it's, it's just as important to know what you don't want as exactly. it is to so what So we, you do we want. expose them to job shadowing on, on areas they think they're interested in and maybe expose them to some other areas as well. All as a mean to broaden that horizon for them. I love that. So that's the first year? First year job shadowing. Freshman year. Sophomore year, we're bringing uh, career fairs where we invite these industry uh, businesses to come to the academy campus and to tout their wares so to speak and our students will walk up and down the aisles to learn more about these businesses and then really trying to assign our students career mentors um so i like to pick on heather for some reason so we'll we'll use heather on the art studio let's say she loved that (laughs) job shadowing she really made a connection with that lady who owns that art studio well we we assign heather that career mentor in that woman and they, they may exchange emails once a month or have lunch once every three or four months to where the art studio lady would show her a new piece of art or just really make that connection out there to engage Heather um, in, in a potential future career. Uh, that's something she continues to be interested in. And that's all sophomore year. And then, again, all the culminating event being that six-week internship between the junior and the senior year to where if Heather continued to want to pursue that art to where maybe we get her an internship at that art studio. 
So at the end of four years of this work-based learning, what have we done for Heather? I mean, we've job shadowed her there. She's been assigned a career mentor. We've given her six weeks on the job, which I could argue she'd learn more than six months in the classroom. And she's made those real-world contacts. She's got something on her resume better than maybe just a McDonald's on the weekend. Um, she's actually, <laughs> uh, no offense to anybody who does that, but she's actually got that real-world connection, that real-world experience to help her maybe lead to a job down the road. Oh, fascinating. I love it. Uh, the biggest thing for a lot of parents when they put their child into high school is getting them ready for college because that's, yeah. the, that's the biggest jump from high school to college where the parents worry the most. And I notice a lot of parents position their kids in a high school where they feel, and this is why the private schools really come into play, where they feel the private school is the w- place to spend your money because they're going to be the ones that get your kids into yeah. college and get them a scholarship. Let's talk about that a little bit and how the academy wants to address That's this. That's a great question. Like I said, we're, our, our sole focus here is future college and career success. And we've talked about careers, so let's talk about college. You know, I don't know that any one type of school is the end-all, be-all for college success. I went through, I'm a product of public schools. I did very well in high school. I did very well in college. I've got a master's degree. You know, there are exceptions to every rule. I'm sure there are students who go through the private route that don't go to college. But what I can tell you is at the academy, at our charter high school, we are going to set ourselves up for future college and success. And what does that look like? Well, I like to start by saying that less than half of the students in this country who ever attempt college actually ever graduate with a degree. That's a staggering number. That is you know, a it's, staggering it's, number. It's scary, wow. and, but no one likes to talk about that because the high schools blame the colleges, and the colleges like to blame the high schools. And I'll tell you, as a high school administrator, I put the onus on me, on, on myself and on high schools, and we need to be preparing our students for college. And, and what does that mean? You know, I would contend that the number one reason college students quit after starting is not financial. It's because they're scared. It's sink or swim, right? It's the first time in their lives they've ever really been on their own. They walk onto that campus, and there's no one checking on their attendance. It's all on them to show up to class to do the study, and no one's checking on their grades. And uh, so I would contend that we need to give our high school students college experience while they're in high school. Yeah. Well, the other thing, too, is for me, uh, I went to Long Beach State in 2001 with a foreign policy, you know, uh, I was working towards a foreign policy degree, and I'd work 40 hours, and then I had about 350 pages to read every single week, and it was just just really difficult, and I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, and this is not a knock on you, Heather, I assure you, but college is not easy whether you work or not. Yeah. But a big reason, again, that students don't make it is because it's sink or swim. They can quit, and no one's going to you know, harass them about it. In high school, oh, yeah. it's the law to go to school. There's no law that says you have to go to college, right? Yeah, no. So, and that first day is very scary. I was very scared. I imagine you were very scared. No, not really. Like, junior college was fine because okay. it was just the right it's amount of work. Yeah. But as soon yeah. as you start yeah. going the upper divisions, and, then it gets yeah, then I, different. Then it gets really hard because all you're doing is working right. and going to school. Sure. And then I'm just, you get so far behind, you just fail all your tests, and you're like, why am I doing this? It's, yep, and it's easy to quit. But in, yeah. at the academy, we're going to give our students these dual credit opportunities. So what does that mean? It means I've met with UCI, I've met with Chapman, I've met with CSU Fullerton, and I've met with Santa Ana College to where our kids at the academy are actually going to get college experience, college credit while they're in high school. So how does that look? Their junior year, we'll actually have faculty members from Chapman and schools like that come to our campus to teach a couple courses. So to expose our students as juniors to that college-level um, yeah, class, coursework. Very valuable. Not only does that give them college credit, but it saves them money, which is important. Their senior year, we're actually going to pull our kids off campus with parent permission to go take a course on Chapman's campus 
for an hour or two a day. Wow. So then when our students graduate from the academy and they do go to college, whether they go to Chapman or UCI or whatever college it is, they show up day one. It's not as scary. They've done yeah. it, right? They've taken college courses. They've been on a college campus. It's, they're much less apt to, to, to scare themselves out of, a, out of that degree. Well, the nice thing about that is it reverses a trend where junior colleges are doing a lot of remedial work that the high school right. should have done. That's right. So you're, yep. Now you're getting a leg up on it in Right, exactly. High so yeah. it's, it's a win-win. It's a win for the colleges because they get more prepared students. It's a win for the high school students and the high school families because they can save money and they can uh, graduate high school with college credit on their way to an AA. So will they actually have college counselors then counseling them at the high school level to We we will have count we will have a we will have multiple counselors on the high school campus and we will be working with local colleges to make sure that these students are all A to G ready and for those of you not in education A to G are the requirement students must take in high school to get themselves ready for a UC or a CSU. So oh, absolutely, nice. we will have those collaborations with local colleges to make sure our kids are set up for success. So if you're just tuning in, this is Kimberly Martin, and I am the host of Real People OC. We have um, enjo- winding down an hour with Anthony Saba. Anthony is the head of school at the Academy, a brand new charter high school in Santa Ana that um, is really the... the, the um, the Passion Project of Orangewood uh, Children's Foundation, really important project they have put together, 12 years in the making. It is coming to fruition this September. And, you know, uh, I'm sure a lot of people listening right now are interested. What can the current 8th grade families or potential families in the future do if they are interested in learning more about this opportunity? That's a great question. I would say a few things. First and foremost, go to our website. It's www.theacademyiscoming.org. You can see lots of videos about project-based learning. You can meet my myself. You can see our staff. Um, you can learn a whole lot more about this approach we're taking in college and career success. You can go. You can give us a phone call at 714-619-0245, 714-619-0245, or I would strongly encourage them to come to one of our community meetings. We've got a community meeting every month uh, around different parts of Orange County and also at Orangewood. Um, and we list those dates, times, and locations on our website. That's where you can come. You can meet me. You can see more of an in-depth presentation. You can ask all the questions you want to. Um, but those are great ways to learn more. Um, if you're a current eighth grader out there, just know that our deadline to apply is this Monday coming up Wow! Um, for 120 spots, and we will have a lottery because um, we have more students. We've got great demand for this school. Um, all over Orange County, yeah. So um, I would encourage you to apply by Monday. That doesn't mean you can't apply after. You can, but you will be uh, placed on a waiting list. And, uh, you know, you have a good shot at getting called. All charter schools go to the waiting list sooner or later. But uh, the sooner you apply, the better. And then if you're a seventh grader below, each December we will open up the application process again and have a lottery shortly after because the demand is definitely overreaching the supply here. That's actually wonderful. You know, you have to reflect for a moment with me while we're here and tell me what's been the most rewarding part of this for you. Well, personally, I tell you, it's really been able to put everything I've done in education, my 15 or so years, in, into one project. You know, I've I've seen so many. I've worked at many schools. I've visited hundreds of schools. I've seen many things that work, many things that don't work, and really being able to take a culmination of best practices, combine them all into one high school experience. And there's a whole lot of value in that. And then also being able to hire the staff from the ground up. I've got six of the most dynamic, um, impressive teachers I've ever seen and who are excited and have already hit the ground running and cannot wait uh, to open up this August. And the excitement around this campus and the students that we're going to serve and just these teachers in general, I'm very, very proud to say I'm a part of. 
how are you gonna divvy up the school year? You said this August. That's a lot earlier mm. than normal. Yeah. Are you doing two months and a month off, or how are you doing that? It's the traditional school. We'll, we'll start August twenty second, which for in mm. Santa Ana is right around when the other schools are starting, and we'll end right around mid June. So it's it's the traditional ten month. You know, I, I firmly believe that that students need to be kids, right? High school kids need to be. They need their summers off. In my opinion, they need to go on vacation with their families. So no. In terms of a calendar, a school calendar, we will be a very traditional uh, in terms of that. Okay, yeah. I said earlier September, but it is August. Cause August 22nd. South, Co- South County usually starts in September. Yeah, a lot of schools holiday. will start that September 5th or 6th date after Labor Day. We're going to get a jump start on that and start August 22nd. My follow-up to that would be my my um, relatives are educators, and one of them is in uh, Fresno School District, and there's so many Hispanic people that go down to Mexico for December, mm-hmm. and it's they've gotten to the point where they don't even have school in December, right. and they just take that month off and then go mm-hmm. a month longer. Um, since you're in Santa Ana, you face a similar situation. Is that going to eventually yeah. sneak in? or I feel like you've been eavesdropping on our staff meetings here, Heather. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know, she probably has. Santa Ana Unified actually does three weeks in Christmas. Oh, okay. Uh, and I think it's, that's a big reason behind that, and that's something that I'm working with through my, my staff right now is whether we do the traditional two weeks that I'm accustomed to or do we do that three weeks off in Christmas? And that's something that we're three working weeks. on right now. And <laughs> I know parents and students listening are probably screaming three weeks at the top I of their lungs. They and, are, yes. and that maybe end up being what we're doing. But that is, is, is an answer to that commonly seen uh, issue. Um, it's taking that longer. I don't know about the whole month of December. That's a bit much. But uh, three weeks is the max we're looking at at the moment. Interesting. Well, okay, I want to wrap up our discussion. We're coming to a close here. Again, uh, Anthony Saba, head of school at the Academy, opening in late August and September, a new charter school. If you had to sum up the Academy in one statement, and uh, you could tell me what that would be and then how this is going to make a difference in those students' lives. One statement. Let's see. I would say that it's the it's especially important in the 21st century that we don't just teach our students what they need to know but show them why they need to know it. The Academy is going to be a school that produces graduates who are knowledgeable and confident, ready and able young men and women poised to become the next generation of American leaders. And that's really our tagline, learning today, leading tomorrow. I really believe that through this system that we've set up, we're going to be pumping out 120 future leaders of this not just this county or state, but to this country in any given year. With so much of the negative uh, media against schools and what they're producing these days, it's it's certainly really refreshing, isn't it, with a little bit of hope here when you hear about the Academy? Yeah, and uh, if you missed a link, the Academy is org, and it's on our Twitter page. So if you go to KCI.org and then on our right side, I linked it over. So Wonderful. There you go. Appreciate and then that it'll very also much. be on the website, Real People OC, in a little while when we get the podcast up and running if anybody wants to hear some of this information yep. i think again. we're out of time uh, we always are yeah we're, we're always are the hour has to come to an end eventually South Anthony, Park soon, thank right? you yeah. so much for yeah, well, being thank here thank you both i really appreciate this opportunity appreciate it cool. wonderful so matt kaplan's coming up next with counterspin then planetary radio at five thirty. then the music continues with kyle and things that are square thank you for listening to 88.9 kci fm in irvine